Cedar Street, I love you. It's a joy of my heart to be with you. There's no other place I'd rather be right now. And uh, I pray the Spirit of God would be with us here this morning. I, I have a feeling it has a lot to do with the pollen. I can just tell we're a little sluggish this morning, and I'm just as sluggish as everybody else. The alarm was a little louder this morning than it's been in recent weeks. But God is good. And uh, may He lift us up physically as well as spiritually as we seek to worship Him here this morning. Uh, We are in a sermon series uh, in week two now of a short series that I've entitled Weighing Our Words as we walk through the book of Proverbs and we consider the weight and the significance of the words that we speak. Now I'm going to be honest with you, last week I preached out of Proverbs chapter 17 verses 27 through 28 and I talked about how the righteous have learned through the Holy Spirit to restrain their words. I've probably gotten more feedback on that message than on anything I've preached in the last three years. Because I think we're being honest with ourselves. When we step back and look, we see how inadequate we are to control our own tongues. And I'm going to really hit hard on this 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 week in this message because I think I probably should have emphasized it more. You can't control your tongue in your own strength. Not in a way that honors God. We need the Holy Spirit And we're going to be talking about the dangers of a tongue that is not controlled and then where we can go to seek it to make sure we don't go down that path. All right, today we're going to be in Proverbs chapter 26, verses 20 through 22. And the title of our message here this morning is The Words of a Whisperer. The Words of a Whisperer. We'll talk about what a whisperer is in just a moment. But I want to remind you on some things that I talked about last week, and then I want to add to them today. So last week I said that on average, on any given day, human beings speak between 7,000 to 20,000 words. And part jokingly, part not, studies have shown that women speak more words than men. All right, this is just science and statistics. But regardless of how many words you speak, the second thing I want to remind you of is that Jesus tells us in Matthew chapter 12, verses 36 through 37, that we're going to be judged by these words. Here's what he says. I tell you, on the day of judgment, people will give an account for every careless word they speak. For by your words, you will be justified, and by your words, you will be condemned. That alone tells us that our words have weight. You ever heard the expression when you were a kid? Sticks and stones will break my bones, but words will never hurt me. You ever hear those, that expression? Did you ever teach that expression? Well, as a grown adult, we could all say this. Words not only hurt me, they can destroy me. They can absolutely bring life or bring death. And I want to say that as we, as we consider these 20,000 words that we're going to speak we in our own strength can't control how we speak them all the time without the Spirit of God. I want you to listen closely to James chapter 3, verses 3 through 9. This is the harsh but true reality of the human tongue. I want you to hear this. I preached on this a couple of years ago here, but it's good for us to refresh our minds. It says, If we put bits into the mouths of horses so that they obey us, we guide the whole bodies as well. Look at ships also. Though they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are guided by a very small rudder wherever the will of the pilot directs. 
So also the tongue is a small member, but it boasts of great things. How great a forest is set ablaze by such a small fire. And the tongue is a fire, a world of unrighteousness. The tongue is set among our members, staining the whole body, setting on fire the entire course of life, and set on fire by hell. For every kind of beast and bird, of reptile and sea creature, can be tamed and has been tamed by mankind, but no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil, full of deadly poison. With it we bless our Lord and Father, and with it we curse people who are made in His image." Let me go back to that one phrase in verse 8. No human being can tame the tongue. Last week I talked about the righteous who learn to restrain. They only restrain because they're righteous. And they're only righteous because of the work of Christ and the continued work of the Holy Spirit changing them. I want you to hear me clearly. If if you leave these the next few weeks in this sermon series and and the message you're getting from me is do better, you're not hearing me. What I want you to hear is, you need to do better, and when you realize that you can't, you need to seek Christ with everything you have. All right, Because we speak 20,000 words a day, we're going to be judged on every careless word that we speak, and we have no ability in our own power to control it. That should lead us to a point of hopelessness where we need help. Where we need help. So what I want to say before I get to the big idea is this. In every message, I say, where's the grace and where's the truth? I'm going to pour out truth as thick and as heavy as I can pour it out because I want you to feel it. And I promise if you hang with me, I'll show you where the grace is. But you're going to have to stay tuned for the grace because truth is coming. All right? Because the Bible has both. So what's our big idea? Here it is. When the words of a whisperer spread like a fire... They do great damage to the kingdom of God. Simple. When the words of a whisperer spread like a fire, they do great damage to the kingdom of God. So if you have a Bible, please turn with me to the book of Proverbs. Okay, pretty close to the middle of the Bible. The book of Proverbs be on chapter 26, verses 20 through 22. Be on page 650 in your pew Bible. If you don't have a Bible, grab the pew Bible in front of you and turn to page 650. And if you would stand at this time, out of the reverence of the reading of God's holy, infallible, inerrant, and fully sufficient word. We are in Proverbs, again, chapter 26, and we will read verses 20 through 22. Hear God's word to us. For lack of wood, the fire goes out, and where there is no whisperer, a quarreling ceases. As charcoal to hot embers and wood to fire, so is a quarrelsome man for kindling strife. The words of a whisperer are like delicious morsels. They go down into the inner parts of the body. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, again, we love you and we thank you and we praise you. And we do all of these things with our tongue. And yet we leave the walls of the church and we use that same tongue to curse people who are made in your image. It's the great contradiction of the Christian life and we all do it, myself included. But we also know according to your word that we're going to be judged. and We can do great damage or great blessing. And so, Father, I pray as we consider this truth that we would feel the weight of it. 
and desperately seek your grace to be people whose mouths are used for your glory. Would you be with us this morning and open our hearts and minds to receive this truth and seek after this grace. In the name of your Son we pray. Amen. So the word that is used in this passage is whisperer. Many of you, maybe just from guessing, have probably figured out what that is. If you haven't, the whisperer is someone who loves gossip. Whisperer. Now, there's a book that I purchased uh, about a year ago called Resisting Gossip from a pastor named Matthew Mitchell. It's a great book. And in that book, he actually says there's five different types of whisperers, five different types of people who love to gossip. All right, here's the five. There's the spy, someone who gathers secrets to use to their advantage later. There's the grumbler, someone who complains and criticizes everything. There's the backstabber, someone who's angry, malicious, and is out to destroy There's the chameleon, someone who uses gossip to fit in and just join the conversation. And then there's the busybody, someone who just loves meddling in other people's business. I'm glad that there is none of those five in this room right now. We are completely free of this sin, and we're just talking about other people today. But I guess if we're talking about other people, we're also gossiping, so we need to be careful. Here's the fact of the matter. We're guilty as charged. In fact, if you're to be honest, you fit into multiple categories, and so do I. There's times that we, 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 fall, our, we fall into gossip because we don't want to be the odd man out in the conversation. There's times that we want to find out information that we can retaliate against someone who's hurt us. Uh, sometimes there's, there's just a desire to get in other people's business. It's part of human nature. It doesn't make it good. It doesn't give us an excuse but it gives us an explanation. So I want us to look at three inevitable realities when we speak words as a whisperer. When we become one of those five people, either the spy or the grumbler or the backstabber or the chameleon or the busybody, when we don't know how to restrain our tongues and we think it is our duty to share our thoughts on everything with everybody and get all up in their Kool-Aid, this is what happens. I want to share three realities of what happens with the words of a whisperer. Here's the first. Number one. When the words of a whisperer are silenced, they lose power. Listen to verse 20. It says, For lack of wood, the fire goes out, and when there is no whisperer, quarreling ceases. When you think of a quarrel, much like you would think of a fire, it is impossible to think of a quarrel without thinking of words that led to it. There is no quarreling without words. Therefore, it's the words of a whisperer that lead to the quarreling, and it's the silencing of those words that stops the quarreling. And when a whisperer's mouth closes, the fire dies down. So we're going to be talking about, in the next few moments as we walk through other uh, portions of the passage, how we as whisperers need to seek God to help us to silence our tongues. But this first one is maybe how we should respond to other whisperers. And the Bible has a lot to say about this. And by the way, what I'm going to read, if I was to read this to you and not quote chapter and verse, you may doubt this is even from the Bible because people are so heavy on grace and not enough on truth, you'd say that can't possibly be from the Bible. But I want you to feel the weight of this. All right, 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 23 through 24, Paul tells Timothy this. 
have nothing to do with foolish, ignorant controversies. You know what they breed quarrels. And the Lord's servant must not be quarrelsome, but kind to everyone, able to teach, patiently enduring evil. So he's warning Timothy, don't get up, don't get, in, don't get in that quarrel, don't get in that debate, don't stir the pot. You're a man of peace because you're a shepherd. Now that's what he's speaking to the clergy. Now here's another passage where he's speaking to the people. In Titus chapter 3, verses 10 through 11, it says, As for a person who stirs up division, after warning him once and then twice, have nothing more to do with him, knowing that such a person is warped and sinful, he is self-condemned. That doesn't sound like grace. That's a whole lot of truth, but it's still truth from the Word of God. That a whisperer's words can be so damaging, they need to be silenced. And we silence them in two ways. We warn them and then we ignore them. All right, we warn them. That's not going to be tolerated around here. And then we ignore them and have nothing more to do with them and silence them to the point where they take it somewhere else because it's not going to build the kingdom of God. Now I want to stop for a second and I want to share uh, from the heart of a pastor how proud I am of this church in one specific regard. I've been a part of Metter, Georgia for nine years. And in nine years, I've watched cycles happen. We've all seen it, okay? You've all seen it. Churches get on fire, then quarrels break out, things split, pastors get fired, and the, and the sheep scatter. And they, a lot of them scatter here, and they scatter at other churches. And when that happens, the phone rings. And when the phone rings, you get, well, I don't know if I'll let that person in your church. They stirred the pot over here. They're troublemakers over here. They're doing this over here. And I've always had such a joy to know that when those type of people come to Cedar Street Baptist Church, one of two things happens. They realize that their whispering is not going to be tolerated around here and they take it somewhere else. Or B, and what makes me even more proud is they see the strength of leadership in this church. They see the, the Ronnie Sykeses and the Ronald Cardells and the Kenny Davises and they realize that that foolishness is not going to be tolerated here and they get in line and they quiet their mouths and they grow and they become mature. And so were some of you that left other places as a pot stirrer and came here and you've become a mature believer because of leadership that will not tolerate whispering. And so I want to stop for a moment and say I'm grateful for this church. I don't want to put us on a pedestal and say that we have not had quarreling here. Not only are we Christians, we're also Baptists. Where there's two Baptists, there's three opinions. All right? We've had our quarrels here at Cedar Street, and guess what? We're going to have more. There's no way around it. It's going to happen. The question is, what are we going to do when we have them? Are we going to do things the biblical way? Are we going to confess and repent and ask for God's help? Or are we going to defend ourselves and assert ourselves and push it as far as it'll go until it does damage to the kingdom of God? I'm grateful that the track record of this church is one of going in the right direction. And that's the only direction I want to continue to go. It's the only direction I want to continue to go. So number one, when the words of a whisper are silenced, they lose power. So, so far you're saying, good, I agree with you, Bo, we got to quiet them down. I was talking about them, but now I'm going to talk about us. Number two, when the words of a whisper are spoken, they start trouble. Listen to verse 21. As charcoal to hot embers and wood to fire, so is a quarrelsome man for kindling strife. You know, the thing about a fire is it may be dying down, but until the fire is completely put out, you throw just a little bit of charcoal on hot embers and watch it fire right back up again. And a quarrelsome man, 
he has a bunch of charcoal in his arsenal. Okay, a bunch of charcoal that he can throw in the fire and it will catch quickly. All right, I'm going to tell you what some of this charcoal is. Here's the first, unsolicited opinions. You assert yourself as the voice of authority to set the record straight. Now, I stand here today preaching, but not by my own authority, but by the Word of God, because it's my calling. But there's a lot of things that I have opinions on that if asked, I may or may not share, but of which I do not have authority to tell you. It's not my job to go and set the record straight. God has already done that. He's already done it. Another one's debate. In your self-appointed authority, you seek to correct others who share a different opinion. So not only do you want to assert yours, you want to correct theirs. The third is just plain gossip. You share somebody else's business because you can't mind your own. And then slander, the worst part of it, the deepest part of the embers of the fires of a whisperer. You seek to damage somebody else's life to feel better about your own. I see this happen all the time in marriage counseling. People don't really want help. They want to destroy their spouse because they're hurt. Because they're hurt. They want to come and convince me that they're right and their spouse is wrong. And let me just tell you this. Almost never do I hear someone, when they tell me the story of their spouse or their ex-spouse, I never hear them confess their part in the story. In fact, what they did usually comes out later because they're not willing to stand up and say, this is what I've done. What they want to do is slander because it makes them feel better. It's, it's human nature. Um, I know in my own life the times that I get the most defensive. There are certain trigger words my wife knows better than anybody else. Because if certain words are spoken, the deepest insecurities of my soul will rise to the surface. There's things that do not bother me, but there's just a few things that do. And guess what? Same with you. You spend enough time with another person. That's why spouses know us better than anybody else. But how do we respond? Do we quarrel to the point where we slander? Or do we seek God to help us and not be a whisperer? That's the question. You know, I was thinking about this the other day. Uh, about fire. Most of you have heard in history about the great Chicago fire of 1871. There's a lot of legends of how it got started. Most people think a cow knocked over a lantern in a barn. I don't know how it started, but I know it started in one place in one moment by one person or animal or thing and ended up killing 300 people and causing $200 million of damage. One fire. All started in one moment. Do you know right now you have the power to speak one word that could destroy a human being? That's power that God has given you with responsibility because He Himself has unlimited power. And how did He create the world? He spoke it. So He put honor and authority on words since the very beginning and then He gave us authority made in His image, to have power with our words. So when the words of a whisper are silenced, they lose power. When they're spoken, they start trouble. Third and finally, when the words of a whisper are swallowed, they do damage. I want you to hear verse 22. The words of a whisper are like delicious morsels. They go down into the inner parts of the body. Why does gossip destroy? Because it's delicious. Why does gossip continue generation after generation? Because as bad as someone wants to speak, somebody else wants to listen. It's part of human nature. 
There's a reason why in my house my wife's not here today, otherwise she either blush or yell at me later. But yeah, she'll watch it. Don't anybody, nobody in this room tell her I'm telling you this. Don't gossip. Um, you know, my wife and I for a year now have been very conscious about the foods that we're eating. We want to be healthy physically, and I'm incredibly proud of her. She's been an encouragement to me. But there's a couple of weak spots for both of us, and one of them is double-stuffed Oreos. You cannot put a bag of double-stuffed Oreos in my house, and he, or her and I will not devour it in two days. We, can't, we tell ourselves every time we get one, we don't ever usually buy one, except if we go to a special event, we'll buy one and bring it home with us. And we'll tell ourselves, let's ration it out. Two or three now, maybe one tomorrow. Two days later, it's in the trash, completely empty, with just some crumbs to show evidence that it was once there. Why can't, why, why, why can't we stand it? Because the fact that it's, it's not healthy for us, we're well aware of that. But it's delicious. It's irresistible sometimes. It's the same thing with gossip. I'm, what I'm telling you right now, I don't think there's a single thing I've said that you already did not know. You are aware that gossip is damaging. But you either listen to it or partake in it because it's delicious. It goes down to the innermost parts of the body. Gossip spreads fast because there's always a willing audience. Always. In this world right now, it's more available than it's ever been. Again, last week I talked about social media. And let me say, before I go any further, social media is a tool that God can also use for His glory, by the way. Facebook and Instagram and Twitter, they're not evil by themselves. They're evil in how we use them. So I would encourage you to, if you have those accounts, to think about how you can use them for the glory of God. You know, I'm so grateful that as our music and media director, Jody tries to figure out ways every week and how he can take every single social media outlet out there and share the gospel and invite people to come here to church. So social media by itself is not a sin. How we're using it is a sin. And social media has become a platform for gossip. We scroll because we want to know the details. The reason why people are fixated on this all day long is because it's one bite of a double-stuffed Oreo after another. It's not good for us, but boy, it tastes good. And let me say one last thing about social media, a misconception. Just because things are public knowledge doesn't mean it's your business. All right, so people say, well, if, if they have shared it publicly, it's no longer just their business, it's now mine. Well, they can share whatever they want. It doesn't make it your business. It doesn't. There's a lot of things on Facebook. I got off a year ago because I was reading things that were none of my business. I don't care if they shared it or not. I don't want to know it because it doesn't belong to me. It doesn't help me to love them anymore. It doesn't help me to, to walk through life with them anymore. I don't need to know their opinion on everything. They don't need to know my opinion on everything. Again, last week I said that because of the great freedom of speech we have in this country, we feel like we have to be heard, exercise the gift, and speak. We don't have to be heard. God has to be heard. God does. All right, the second thing is celebrity tabloids. I loved, I loved the accessibility that I have. Every time I buy groceries at Walmart, that I can know everything that Ben Affleck is doing. It fills my heart with joy to know that Bruce Jenner woke up this morning not knowing if he was a boy or a girl or maybe he's back to being a boy again. I don't know. But I'm just, I'm just going to tell you this. I don't care. But a lot of people do. They put the tabloids there by the candy bars because they know both of them are bad for you, but people are going to buy them. And the third is the water cooler discussions. 
Why do people gather around the water cooler? Because if two or more are gathered and start speaking, everybody else wants to know what it's all about. You don't want to be left out of the party. Right? You don't want to be left out of the party. But the dangerous part of this, verse 22, it doesn't just say it's delicious on the tongue. It says it goes down to the inner parts of the body. Whispering words reach down to the inner parts of our body. And in one word, I would say our soul. It changes the way that we otherwise would have thought about someone else. It changes our opportunity to bless someone else. It it destroys. It absolutely destroys. You know, I don't know what my life would be like if I listened to all the gossip that has come into my ear over my 38 years on this planet. I know in 2010, I was desperate for a church family. And I preached Baptist Men's Day here. And I had one person in this community pull me aside and say, you don't want to go there. You don't want to go there. It's all one big family. Everybody knows everybody's business. And, and you don't want to go there because you're, you're just, they're going to chew you up and spit you out. Well, I decided to give you a chance. And I'm so glad I did. Because this is the best thing that's ever happened to me next to my wife and daughter at Cedar Street Baptist Church. I love you to the point where it makes my heart explode. There's no other place I'd rather be. There's no other church I'll ever pastor. This is my home. And if I listened to the words of a gossip, I wouldn't be here. Now, here's the funny thing. That person who said that is now a member of this church. And don't look around because I'm not going to look at that. The person's probably not even in this room this morning. But this person said that because they were hurt by words of gossip. And they, come, they came to know that most of the people in this room did not feel that way about them. But gossip deeply hurt them. Now, in a church our size, and we are growing, I know today doesn't look that way with spring break, but that's okay. Plenty of seats are still available. Uh, We are growing, and God has been good to us, but we are still a family church, and I hope we always will be. So this is something we've got to look out for more than other places, right? So if you're at a church of a 1,000 members, you're not worried about gossip because you don't know many people there. But we walk with each other, don't we? I look around this room, and I've been in most of your kitchens, I've been with you in the hospitals. You've been with me in the office. We've been with each other in Sunday school. We've walked with each other. And we know a lot about each other. And our words have power to encourage each other, but they could tear us down to the studs if we don't watch our tongue. If we don't watch our tongue. So I want to close this out with one more heavy word of truth. And then I want to flood you with every ounce of grace that you could possibly stand. Here's the truth. When the words of a whisperer reach the ears of Christ at judgment, he who can save will instead destroy. When the words of a whisperer reach the ears of Christ at judgment, he who can save will instead destroy. If you don't believe me, I want you to listen to James chapter 4, verses 11 through 12. Do not speak evil against one another, brothers. The one who speaks against a brother or judges his brother speaks evil against the law and judges the law. But if you judge the law, you are not a doer of the law, but a judge. There is only one lawgiver and judge who is able to save and to destroy. But who are you to judge your neighbor? We always, again, I talked about this in the Malachi series a lot. We see Jesus as this benevolent, suffering servant, and he is all of those things and more. But there's a time where the invitation for grace has expired. And the words of a whisperer reach his ear at judgment. And he says, not only did you gossip, gossip is who you are. 
Now I'm going to judge you for the way that you've judged others. And that will be a terrible day. Now I could stop here and say, do better, let's go to lunch. But the, the fact of the matter is, the do better message has no power. Moral reform is a product of the church, but it doesn't come from our strength. Now I want you to open your heart to grace, and I want you to hear me. If you speak 20,000 words a day, you're going to be judged on everything you say harshly, and you have no power to stop yourself from saying harsh words, you'd be headed to an inevitable judgment that you can't control but by the grace of God. And here's the grace. You don't need a new tongue, you need a new heart. Here's what James says in chapter 3, verses 10 through 13. From the same mouth come blessing and cursing. My brother, these things ought not to be. Does a spring pour forth from the same opening, both fresh and salt water? Can a fig tree, my brothers, bear olives, or a grapevine bear figs? Neither can a salt pond yield fresh water. Jesus says the same thing in Matthew 12, 34 through 35. He says, How can you speak good when you are evil? For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. The good person out of the good treasures bring forth good, and the evil person out of the evil treasures bring forth evil. So it's not an issue of controlling your tongue. It's an issue of God transforming your heart. Our words are nothing more than the dipstick to our soul. We check our oil, we find out where our heart is. That's what the words do. So what's the solution? The love of God. Listen to me. If you don't get the next two minutes of what I'm saying, everything else I said will make no sense. All of us who gossip, we're seeking to find fulfillment in every other area than God because we don't know His love. We don't know His love. We need to receive His love. Here's what Ephesians chapter 2, verses 4-5 through five says. But God, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved. And those of you that that are already believers said, good, I already know that. I already went through that process. Well, I hope you're continuing to go through that process because salvation happens in a moment, but transformation takes an eternity. And we're transformed by his love. So not only do we receive that love, we're transformed by it. Listen to these words. I'm going to go further in Ephesians chapter 3, verses 17 through 19. So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and the length and the height and the depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with the fullness of God. And then finally, sharing that love. Ephesians 4, 31 through 32. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you along with malice. Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. So what's the answer to this? Here's the answer. You need to spend time receiving and meditating on how much God loves you. You need to find your identity in that right now, no matter what you've done, no matter who you are, no matter where you're from, God cannot love you any more or any less. You cannot earn it. You cannot lose it. God is love and it is who He is. And you need to rest in that, that you're loved. That He has made you an object of His love. 
But you need to receive that love by grace through faith in Jesus Christ. It's a gift that will not be opened until you confess with your tongue that Christ is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, and then you'll be saved. And then you need to continue to think about that Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. You need to think when everything's going wrong, God, let me meditate on your love, that your love transforms me, that your love is where my identity is. It's not in the congregation that thinks I can speak well or doesn't think I can speak well. It's not on the boss that thinks that you're great or the boss that won't give you a raise or give you, you, know, give you what you think you deserve. It's not on the spouse that won't affirm you as the greatest thing since sliced bread. It's that God loves you. He called you to be important because He gave you His image and He decided to share, shed His love all over you by shedding the blood of His Son on the cross. And the more that you know His love, the more that the, the juiciness and the and the deliciousness of the double-stuffed Oreos of gossip will start to fade away because you have a T-bone steak sitting right on the table, and it's the love of God. Gossip will not stop until you find out where God's love starts. That's how a gossiping tongue is restrained. And that is the words of a whisperer that are silenced. So let's enter into a time of invitation, and here's where I want our hearts to be as we sing. Yes, God is love and God is holy. Sometimes I, 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 I'm careful when I talk about the love of God because it's, it's a cheap word in church today because they, uh, they erase the holiness of God. I'm going to talk about this a lot tonight for those that are coming at 5 o'clock. God is loving and holy at the same time. I talked about His holiness for the first 35 minutes, right? We're going to face judgment for every word. But the love of God is this. You can be forgiven and restored and have a new identity where your tongue is restrained by the power of the Spirit of God if you will give your life to Jesus Christ. And if you are a Christian, you need to renew yourself in that truth every day. Every day. Every single day. You know, I, when I worship, sometimes I'm thinking about certain things and sometimes I'm looking around and I, I, not to call Dave on the carpet here, but I'm always impressed that when he's worshiping, he's, he, he's looking at the words and he's preaching them back to himself over and over and over. And that's what we need to do. We need to take the truth that you are loved and read those verses to yourself 20, 30 times until your mind transforms your heart. It's what he says in Romans 12. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. What goes into your mind will go into your heart and what's in your heart will come out of your mouth. And so if you want to have words, not of a whisperer, but one who loves Jesus, a worshiper, then you have to meditate on how much He loves you. And if you're in this room right now and you have not known the love of God and you're still facing the judgment of God because you've not been forgiven, know His love. Confess that Jesus Christ died because of how much He loves you, rose again making a way from death to life, and will restore you and save you for all of eternity if you will trust Him by grace through faith. And if we can do that, then we no longer have to have the words of a whisperer. Let's pray. Father, I am often reminded in your words, specifically in James, that the tongue is just wild. It is untamable in our own strength. I yearn to be a man of God whose tongue is used for your glory alone. And I know that I'm not there and I know that we're not there, but we need to start heading in that direction. And so I pray 
in the name of your Son and by the power of your Spirit, that you would transform our hearts and tongues, that the mouths of the members of this church would be instruments of praise and worship and blessing to others. I pray that you would help us to see how utterly incapable we are, do, we are to do this in our own power and to seek you by grace through faith daily to help us. Forgive us where we've hurt others with our words. Let us seek forgiveness from them if we've hurt them specifically. And let us seek to restrain our words and use them for your glory every hour of the day and the week ahead. Help us, Lord, to bless you with our mouths for the way that you've blessed us and to remember your love that transforms. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.